Thank you for joining me on another episode of Mum in Training, where we talk all things in the remit of parenthood. If you are a first time listener, please follow the podcast and Instagram. Both are Mum in Training. If you want to email and get in contact with us and ask us any questions or give any advice, the email address is mumintraining838 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The show is broadcast every other Sunday until we hit 500 followers. Then we'll have to up the ante and have weekly chats. Um, If we're lucky enough to hit 2,000 followers, we'll start a vlog if you want to see my face. (laughs) If not, let me know. You know, it's not set in stone. Thanks to our day one listeners. Keep listening, asking questions and giving advice. We really appreciate it. Now that's all said, let's get into today's show. So today's podcast is, uh, we're going to be talking um, the questions that you guys have sent in. Thank you so much for the emails, I was going to say letters, but for the emails that you sent in. Just to say at the beginning, I'm not going to use anybody's real names out of you know, respect for people that are listening and for the fact that you guys have taken the time to send me an email and maybe don't want people to know your business. Uh, so I, I definitely want to keep your business to you. I have been a few emails and so today I'm going to read them out and answer them to the best of my ability. I mean, it's not even really the best of my ability. It's I'm going to answer them with the knowledge that I've gained through my experience. Like, as with everything that I talk about on this podcast, it is all my experience. It's all a lived experience. I'm by no means saying that I am the only person that's ever adopted or the only person that's been through IVF or any of the other treatments that you can go through um, in order to get pregnant. I'm just talking from the experience that I've had because I think that it's really important for me to do this and and hopefully it helps some people Uh, and there may be other people with other other experiences please write in if there's anything any questions that I'm about to read out or any thoughts that I'm about to read out and you have a different take on it absolutely get in contact with me because it would be great to have a conversation it's always good to have more people in the conversation than not I am doing this because I so strongly advocate for adoption and before my journey before the journey that my wife and myself have been on I maybe wouldn't have advocated for it so strongly Um, I think it's a great thing. I know loads of people that have adopted and have been adopted. But now that we have gone through the process, I think that we're just more aware of what the process is, first of all. And secondly, of how many children there are out there that just need a loving home, that need somewhere that they can call home, actually, that they're just not getting moved around so many times yeah um also to say for my birthday which was in well this month earlier on in the month I got a lovely gift from my wife which is a microphone so thank you baby I am using my microphone now so hopefully you can all hear me just that little bit clearer so without further ado let's get into it oh my gosh first ever email this is really exciting 
let's go. Okay, so the first one. Hi, Maria. Thanks for being so open and honest uh, with your experience. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to get into it. Okay, great. <laughs> I love that that was short and sweet. But yes, thank you. So the question is, did you feel that you were treated differently being black? Uh, and then the second part of the question, and being two women, question mark, uh, and then gay in in brackets. So to answer, I'm going to answer them in, in the two separate sections. Um, did I feel differently? Did, I, did we feel, or I'm going to go from my experiences, did I feel differently being black? No, um, is the easy answer from the people that I was in contact with. And it's really going to vary, I guess, depending on what area you're adopting in. So because we're in London, I think it's because we're in London, um, we're, we're just quite a diverse area anyway. So because of that, I think that the social workers that we work with have worked with many um, black and ethnic minority minorities um, within adoption. Uh, what I will say is within the group that we were adopting with, we were the only black couple. And on our journey, we met about 12 different couples and um, and two single people as well. So um, all together, oh my gosh, can I count? 14 households. Um, and we were the only black people adopting, which is again why I'm really advocating for black people to, black and ethnic minorities really, uh, to adopt. Because uh, there are so many children, like you, unbelievably so many children out there that, that really need our help. Um, I hope that answered the first bit. And did we feel differently being two women? Actually, no. Um, so in our group, although we, the, we were the only black couple, we met three other same-sex couples. So no, didn't feel uh, that we were treated differently, looked upon differently. I have heard stories um, about weird questions being asked. Um, when I was doing research, when we were getting into adoption, there were some really weird questions on the internet like... Um, are you only sleeping with your one partner? Do you have multiple partners and things like that that were being asked of gay men? Um, but I didn't come across anything like that about same-sex female uh, couples. And it certainly hasn't happened, to my knowledge, with any of the same-sex couples that were going through the process. We're only friends with um, two couples that are same-sex and have adopted. I say only, that's quite a lot. And from my knowledge, neither of those couples have had any pushback on on being the from a same sex household at all. Ah, oh, that was a nice first question. That was like nice and easy. I feel like it was it just got straight to the point. So that was lovely. Thank you very much for sending that in. Um, and I really look forward to hearing from you again. Um, and if there's anybody that is out there that is from a same-sex um, couple and has had a different experience, we'd love to hear from you too. Uh, it's always good to just hear different points of view. I'm just going by what I know and, and what I've lived, right? Uh, so second email. Hi, mum. <laughs> love that you explain 
uh, love the way, sorry. Hi, mum. Love the way that you explain everything. It really has opened my eyes to what being a mum is like. Um, to my question, how long did the process take? Okay. <laughs> that was, I love it. Straight to the point. Yeah. How long did the process take? Um, so it's different depending on um, what agency you go with. We went with a council agency, but there's different um, agencies. So you might go with the council, which we did. Um, there's Bernardo's, which is another agency. There's an agency called Pat um, or Jigsaw. So there's loads of different agencies or charities. Uh, and depending on what, depending on those agencies or charities will depend on the journey that you have. So the process for us took 18 months from kind of day one, I guess, to uh, the prince coming home. The reason that it took, it would have, it would have been shorter, actually. It would have been just under a year, I guess. Uh, but due to COVID, thank you, COVID, um, we had to wait longer because the courts, once when COVID kind of hit, everything almost shut down, which I think everybody kind of knows. And it was kind of, uh, everybody had to think of what they were going to do and how they were going to go about doing things. So all of the courts closed. There were no open courts. There was no social worker turning up to the court, the judge being there, the birth parents being there, our social worker being there, they, that was unable to happen. So because of that, they had to find different ways of doing things. And then people started using Zoom, but that was quite a slow process. So because of that process, everything took a little bit longer, uh, about six, six, seven months longer than it would have taken had COVID not have happened um but yeah it approximately 12 to 18 months is the process it is very dependent on you the individual should I say or the couple taking part in this because there are a lot of meetings I've spoken about meetings before but there are a lot of meetings that you have to go to or be be present at so there are meetings with your social worker and they have to be done at certain points within the timeline um and then you have your training sessions as well and these have to be done at certain points it will then depend on when they have training uh, that they can fit you onto and there's also how much experience you have with children because they do want you to have experience with children preferably of different ages, preferably overnights if you can. But they understand that not everybody has access to children like in, within their family I'm setting I'm talking about. So there is that as well. So you may have to go and do some volunteering at a school or at a local club, school club, um, summer camp, something like that, in order to build up your knowledge about children and then you'd need to write about that so that they can see that you understand that the needs of children um we were lucky I guess we have eight nine nieces and nephews so we've had experience from birth to our eldest niece is 15 
So a lot of experience. We've had them overnight. We've had them over a week, multiple children at a time. So um, that was quite good for us. We did do some more of that. Um, I th- it's something that we do anyway. We have them over the summer. We have them during the Easter break. Uh, we mix it up and have some from her side of the family, some from my side of the family, so they all get to know each other. Um, so, yeah, so there, there's that as well. So you need, those things need to be taken into consideration um, when you're thinking of how long is the process. It could be 12 months. It could be two, It could be 24 months because it's just dependent on when there's training, how often you can actually book those visits in with your social worker and then how much experience you have with children. So, yeah, it's kind of up in the air and very person dependent. It's not kind of you started in this group and you must finish with this group at all. That's just how it happened for us. Super question. Love that. Thank you. Um, I feel like I need to put names at the end of these. So if I start putting names at the end, that's just because it's, it feels more natural. Cool. Third one. How many of these have I got? I didn't actually say. I think we're just going to go through these and, and hopefully um, what I'm talking about helps or advises or, you know, just gives you a kind of a basis, maybe, uh, if you are thinking about adopting which you should go do. Go look into it some more. Ask me some more questions. I'm totally here for that. So next one. Hi, Miss Maria. Thank you so much for being you and giving us the advice and explaining. So, oh, sorry. For being you and giving us the explanations that you do so well. Loved the podcast with you and your wife. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she really explained... Oh, okay. She really explained the gaze very well. Thank you so much. Um, For those of you that didn't uh, hear that podcast, that was the Mother's Day podcast uh, two podcasts ago now. So go check that one out. It was me and my wife kind of asking each other questions about parenthood. It was pretty cool. Cool. So to your question, is it really worth it? Are there many black children in care? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, So is adopting worth it? Because are there many black children in care? Okay, Uh, great question. Love this question. Thank you so much. It's definitely something that I worry, I guess, about talking about because I don't want to sound preachy about it. But at the same time, there are too many children full stop in care but for black children they are actually the majority and when I say them they're the majority when you look at our society in the UK I'm only talking UK uh, the amount of minority groups within our society within the UK is three percent in the whole of the UK okay when you look at children in care ethnic minority children in care it's seven percent so like that's a massive difference like how can there be seven percent of children of black and asian ethnic minorities in care but there are only three percent in the whole of the uk that's mind-blowing material and it gets me every single time so yes there are definitely black children in care 
way too many black children in care needing homes just and I mean this is just from my experience but when we were um being partnered up with our our son we you go for a process of looking for a child once you've kind of gone through all of the 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 process I might talk on that process a little bit more um and you you are accepted to become an adoptive parent you get a website link the website is of the all the children in care and within this link you are able to kind of because not everybody wants the same child right um some people want older children younger children uh white people generally want white children black people generally want black etc etc um so you can go through and you can uh select for lack of a better word kind of the age range that you would like to look at the ethnicity that you would like to look at um so we've done that so we put in a caribbean or african background uh and then we put in up to the eight from zero to at the time we were looking zero to four so that was the age range we put in and the um number output that came out was oh, and i and i forget the exact number so do forgive me but there was it was 200 children plus that we're looking at and we're not talking there were children in care up to the age of 18 right so we're just talking children under the age of four and just black or african we're not we're not talking any other ethnicity we didn't put asian do you know like there were so many other ethnicities we just put black and african and there were over 200 children and you have to scroll scroll through and look at these children look at their bios look at their life story how they came to be in care it's 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 heart-wrenching absolutely heart-wrenching so uh to answer that question quite easily yes it is worth it because yes there are a lot of black children and like I said before too many children full stop but there's a lot more black children than there are you know for our percentage than there are any other thank you for that question I just want to kind of go back to the last question about how long was the process. So I spoke through the kind of the three big chunks, but also in the process, there is, you have to um, meet a group of people. I think we had 12 people. They're called the panel and they have all of this information about you. So everything that your social work has written about you, everything that you've included, um that your friends have included because they contact your friends and family as well forgot about that these are little things that come up when you guys ask me questions um yep they contact your friends and family and have a chat with them to find out what kind of person you are how involved they are in your life how involved you are in their lives are they actually part of your circle um have you just thrown their name in the ring just because maybe that might help so they they talk to all of these people and this panel has all of this information off of the back of all of this information which each of them has to read you then sit in front of them I think our panel was um half an hour 
45 minutes and they ask you questions about what you've written, about how you would overcome certain aspects. If a child came to you and they had X, how would you deal with that? X could be Down syndrome. It could be um, that they grow up and they feel this massive loss. How would you deal with them not knowing their birth parents? A number of scenarios. So they'll ask you about those things. They'll ask you about relationships that may seem strained. Maybe you had an argument with your mum at 16 and actually haven't spoken to her and now you're 25 and you guys have just started speaking. They'll ask about that. How is that going to work? Is that child going to be safe? Because if you and your parents have a strained relationship, is that going to be putting the child, your child, into a a strenuous relationship, which is not what they want for children coming out of care? Um, So there's also that. So you have the panel date, which is to say we think that you will be good enough parents. That is something that they use quite a lot. Um, you'll be good enough parents the panel kind of say yes or no but then there is a higher panel uh, a man or lady that sits above that panel they look through everything that the panel have said good bad or indifferent your social worker has said and then the notes that have been taken down by the social worker and the panel uh, from what you've said And then they have the final decision as in to say, yes, we think you'll be good enough um, adoptive parents or no, we won't. So you kind of get the panel's decision almost immediately, actually. I think we got it within 12 hours. And then it's up to two weeks later for the kind of the higher panel that was inverted commas, guys, um, gets to give judgment as to whether it's a yes or a no and then that's kind of your final yes or no you can appeal this um when I looked into it because you get nervous and you're like oh my gosh how many people get declined it was little it was something like one percent of people um were declined to become adoptive parents. When you think about it, by this stage, you've already done all of your training. You've met up with your social worker. So if there is anything that's cropped up, your social worker should have picked up on it and you should be working on it. Or um, it's something that like you don't need to work on. Or they've said to you, yeah, this isn't for you. This isn't going to work. So you should have already picked up on any of those types of things. So it's very, very, very unlikely that you get a no. Uh, The ones I've heard of that have had a no, it was because of... um, So one lady, it was the pandemic, really hit her hard. Um, And so because of that job loss, it was a no because she had to think. But it wasn't anything within her power so to speak Uh, another one that I heard of it was because the husband was seeing a psychiatrist and he hadn't finished his time with his psychiatrist I think he had like six more weeks so they wanted him to finish that completely before then reviewing it and when they reviewed it they reviewed it and said um, yeah the psychiatrist is really happy with everything that's gone on All they want him to do is definitely take note of when he is getting stressed and if there is anything that they can do that that he absolutely lets them know within time rather than letting it build up. Uh, Those are the only two cases that I know of where they were told no. Uh, In one of those cases, it wasn't a no, it was just a, can you complete this before we finish up? And with the other one, it was completely out of her control. Therefore, 
that she was unable to adopt at that time. I don't speak to her anymore. So not sure if that has kind of changed. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to hop back to uh, the process because yeah, it is, there's a lot more involved than what I said originally. So thank you for that. I'm going to call you Bev. Thanks, Bev. Next question. Hi, Miss Maria. Hi, babes. Um, thank you so much for being open and creative about what you're doing. Thank you for calling me creative. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you for being open and creative with what you're doing. It's really nice to hear a black um, gay mum talking about adoption. Uh, thank you very much. To your question, our... Our taxes pay for children to be looked after. Is that not enough? Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, it's a very, I mean, it's a very true statement. We do pay taxes. Those of us that um, work and have put in to the system, do pay taxes. Is that enough? From from my perspective, no. Because these children that don't get their forever homes, they also don't have families. They don't have that one person that they can go to and have a conversation, sit down, have a cup of tea at, you know, on bank holidays, should I say, when people get together with their friends and family, mostly their family. For me, I've got a big family, so get together with their family. They kind of, they don't have anywhere to go. Some of them do. Some of them get on great with their foster carers and their foster carers are their family. And that's amazing. But more often than not, they, they don't. And the friends that they make become their family, which is amazing. But why can't you have both? Because, yeah, because that's a nicer life, right? To have your family that you know, 100% you know, they will have your back. They've got you. You can go home at four o'clock in the morning, knock on the door and your mum will just be like, what are you whatever go in make a cup of tea do you know what I mean like you can do that you can't necessarily do that with friends so I would say not when you're young anyway I would say yes we do pay our taxes is it enough absolutely not children need more than just money um I, I hope that everybody n knows that and well uh, children need more than money <laughs> is um is what I'm saying. I think this one caught me off guard a little bit. I think I thought I was reading something else. But they need love. They need attention. They need nurturing. I mean, children, especially our prince, is, is not even two yet. He doesn't even understand the meaning of money, much less, you know, what to do with it. So to say, but they're already being looked after. Yeah, they are. But are they in good places? You might think that what you see on the TV is just TV. Not all of the homes that these children are in are good. That's why so many homes were closed down. Not every single home is, is you know, you get to go on trips and have holidays and the, the mum and dad are really fun. No, not all of them are like that. Some of them 
have dungeons. Some of them, you know, the, if you pee on the bed, that's it. That's your bed sheet for the month. So sleep in that pee. They they don't get taught how to wash themselves properly because of a few different reasons, I guess. Maybe the parents don't feel or the, the foster carers don't feel like they can go into the bathroom and show them how to wash, which is understandable. But also they don't want to have that conversation with them. Also, actually, maybe they just haven't bought them any soap for the, or a towel for them to do that with. So, no, it's not enough to just give money. It's not enough for our taxes to just be looking after these children more needs to happen it's great that we have the taxes there to be able to look after these children there are so many countries that don't have the ability to do that but no it's not enough it will never be enough more people need to I don't want to say need to that's that's wrong but more people it would be great if more people would think adoption within the remit of being a parent and not go straight to, I want to get pregnant, which is super, super difficult. And I like 100% get that because I was in that place. I just, it would be great if it was just spoken about more. I think if it was spoken about more and people understood it more and understood actually the, the great outcomes of being in a family unit that could happen to a child that's in care, I think the world would be a better place for it definitely thank you for that question Uh, although it kind of uh knocked me off a little bit (laughs) as you could all hear um it was it's actually a great question um because there are people out there that think well actually they're being looked after that they've got a roof over their head and they've got a hot meal in their belly it's more than that it's so 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 much more than that there are people on the poverty line children that are with their parents that are on the poverty line and they get more than just a a roof over their heads and food in their belly. Some of them don't even get food in their belly, but it's the love and attention that their parents give them. That's what makes them good people. That's what makes them feel. That's what makes them feel. And that's what, and they need that. They definitely need that. So thank you for that question. On to the next one. Uh, hi, Maria. Hope you're well. <laughs> I am. Thank you very much. I'm very well. Had 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 a... Four hours sleep last night. So um, I am bright and bushy tailed. Are you scared to, are you scared that your prince will turn around and say that you're not his mom? <laughs> yes, I laugh. I laugh because yes, that is one of my real fears. I think I spoke about it in um, our Mother's Day pod. Uh, that is one of my real fears that one day he will turn around and, and say that I'm not, I'm not his mom. And Biologically, I'm not his mum. I didn't give birth to him. I didn't carry him for nine months. However, I think we kind of spoke through it. And my fear is not him saying that I'm not his mum. Because because I'm not, you know, like, biologically, no. In every other way that it counts, yes, I am. So it was a fear of mine, but I feel like it's kind of almost turned into a, and I don't want to say this because he might listen to it one day and just say it just because I'm almost like, I dare you. When you was up at night four or five times in one night because you couldn't breathe because you had a cold, who was there for you? 
Who was wiping your snotty nose, rocking you backwards and forwards, sitting on the floor up because you just wanted to then play for two hours? Who was doing that? That was me. When you was in the hospital and giving us heart failure and mummy brain and all of the rest of it, who was there with you? Who was holding you, rocking you back and forth, talking to the nurses? Who was doing that? It was me and your mum. <laughs> so in one sense, yes, I'm, no, in one sense, I was scared of that, of the, you're not my mom, you can't tell me what to do. And I think that that's more of a, something that's in my head because of movies that I've watched, because I mean, do people really say that? So it's something that is on my mind. It was on my mind, but I am your mom. So go ahead, say that when you're, I mean, when he can talk, right. And when he understands what that means, so he's going to be minimum 11 when he says something like that, maybe 10 actually, when he says something like that. But also by that stage, by that age, you will also understand that I'm the one that cooks, feeds, waters, clothes, washes, buys for you also. So when you're able to do that on your own, or when you're able to revert back to being a baby and do that all for yourself, then tell me that I'm not your mum. I'm, I'm not scared anymore of that. Um, because I am in all, in every single sense that it matters. I am. No, I didn't carry you for nine months, but all you've done is sit there for nine months. You just sat in your bag of, I don't know, whatever the bag that the baby's sitting is called. (laughs) And was thankfully, thankfully sat in that bag, thankfully attached to your birth mother. That's it everything else I've done for you along with our wonderful family and your foster carers family so yeah I'm I am your mum so he needs to walk away with that with that any of that before he even comes to to talk to me about it anybody listening to this and you think that my son's gonna come and say that to me talk to him talk to him Tell him it's a bad idea. <laughs> Tell him to listen to this podcast. It's a bad idea, son. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not scared of it anymore. That's an awesome question. Thank you. It's a good question because um, hopefully one day he will listen to this podcast and he'll be like, I'm glad I never said that one. <laughs> or if he has said it, he'll be like, oh, she already knew that this was coming. Uh, next question. Is it a question? It might be a statement. I don't know. I've, I've said question to every single one of these and I think that some of them are actually statements. So apologies for that. Hi, Mummy Maria. Uh, you are, be you, sorry, let me start that again. Hi, Mummy Maria. You have been admirational when doing these podcasts, I guess when, yeah, when doing these podcasts, I guess. Um, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, It's really helped me in dealing with my own children. I have two of my own uh, and some of the things that you've spoken about, I have gone through. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. It's, it's difficult, right? Being, being parents is not easy. And like I've said it before, nobody said it was going to be easy, but nobody said it was going to be, it's not that it's hard, but nobody said it was going to be this, this much of a roller coaster. I don't like roller coasters. Somebody should have told me. To your question, sorry. 
Did you get to choose your boy's name? If no, how do you feel about his name? Oh, that's a nice question. I suppose because you've got two of your own and you got to choose their names. That's um, It was quite a big deal for you. And in all honesty, uh, when we were going through, I mean, I think I've said before, I have wanted marriage, uh, marriage, house and child since the age I was seven. I have been dreaming up what this life is going to be. I, yeah, I've been thinking about it. So I have had my children's names planned since I was, when did Tomb Raider come out? Whenever that was, I'm old now, I'm nearly 40. So whenever Tomb Raider came out, I don't know, 20, 20 odd years ago. And, and, and Superman, Superman's well old, right? So from the first time that I've heard Superman's name, which is Kellel, I don't mind telling you now because I'm not having birth children. Um, I've known that my uncle's massive into comics and I was massively into Superman. I'd watch Superman with him and my, my dad also, and my mum's quite big into Superman as well. So I'd watched that. And ever since I found out that his name was Kelail, I loved the name. So I always wanted to call my son Kelail. And then when I watched Tomb Raider and found out that her name was Kitana, I always wanted my daughter to be called Kitana. So I had Kelail and Kitana, two Ks. Uh, weirdly enough. Um, so yeah, I have, I planned out my kids' names a very long time ago. So it's what, to answer your question, no, I didn't, we didn't get to choose our son's name. Um, it's, it's not that you can't change their names. You can't change your adopted children's names, but it is frowned upon with good reason. Uh, the name that was given to them by their birth parent is very sacred to them. It's something that was given to them by their birth parent. These people that they'll, that it's unlikely that they'll have um, a relationship with. Oh, it's not unlikely. I suppose it depends on the type of person they grow up to be. Um, But they haven't had a relationship with. And so taking maybe the one thing away that their birth parent did give them um, is seen as something that's, it's just not really that nice to take something from them that was given to them by these people. Remembering that not all birth parents want to give their children away. 90% of birth parents don't. Um, But the children are removed because of one reason or another. Um, uh, How wide is the ocean, guys? Because there are so many different reasons. They're not all drug-related. They're not all battered-related There are so, so, so many reasons why children are removed from their birth families. So it it is something that is frowned upon. Maybe frowned even too strong, but they they prefer that you do not change the child's name. I know a couple that their child's name wasn't... I didn't know how to say this nicely. (laughs) Not that it wasn't nice, but it just, it wasn't them as a family. And so what they'd done, the the child had a few names. So rather than using the name that was given as the first name, they've just swapped the names around. So the child still has that name. It's just not the first name. It's not the the name that the child is called on a daily basis. Um, Yeah. So it's frowned upon, but not, it's not that you can't do it. We struck freaking gold with our son's name. Uh, so super happy. I mean, I mean, we struck gold with our child. So <laughs> it's 
just super happy to have him and his name could have been Rug and we would have kept it and nicknamed him, right? We would have just nicknamed him. Um, So yeah, you can, it's frowned upon. And I mean, your name is, anybody's name is quite sacred to them. I was named after my gran. My gran and myself are super, super close. So like there's even more of a connection with me and her name. So if somebody was to then call me Tracy, I'd be quite offended. When people call me Marie, I'm offended, much less if they were to call me something completely different. So I think that actually they've got that bit right. Um, we can change their surnames, however. So when um, when your child becomes fully adopted, they can take your surname. Uh, or the, Well, yeah, your surname. We're married, so we've both got the same surname. Uh, so yeah, so that you can definitely do. And any middle names you're able to add, take away um, as well. So yeah, so that's all possible. Really, it's just looking at the first name that was given to them uh, to keep that for sure. That's, a, that's an awesome question. It's something actually that my um, dad's cousin asked the other day because uh, they thought that we chose his name. Um, and my dad had to explain that, no, we didn't. And I'm and, and kind of why. Um, it's something that a lot of people ask. So thank you for that. I was going to call you Bev again. Just go, just everybody's a Bev today. And the last one. Wow. Ah, okay. This has felt good. Hopefully there's more. Um, Dear Maria, thank you so much for popping this on to, uh, on to Spotify. Um, It's been a great listen and looking forward to listening to you more. Thank you very much. Um, Share this and hopefully we'll get all of those people and then we'll get more. I'll get more out to you, more content, more people, more content. To your question, do you have to pay? Oh, this is a good one. Do you have to pay to adopt? Um, I was going to say this is an easy one, but actually it is an easy one if you live in the UK. If you live in the UK, you do not have to pay to adopt. It's a really good question because when we were going through the process, I was researching and um, I came across a site, a few sites actually, that said it was like £1,500 to adopt. And I tell you, no, it was not. It was £5,000 to adopt. And I tell you what, my jaw dropped and I was like, nah, this is too much. But then when we went to the um, train, the very first training day, we, it, well, I didn't ask this question. One of my now friends asked this question and he was like, oh, how much is this going to cost? Like, what's the cost of adoption? And they were like, there's no costs involved. Any costs that you incur um, are kind of because you wanted to um, and there are like court fee costs and things like that, but that you get back as well. So that's why it's a really good question. So in the UK, no, there are no fees. If you go, you know, about it with the charities I spoke to you about, the charities and um, and councils that I spoke about earlier, there are no fees to be paid. There are things like um, travel costs. So we had to go um, meet our son where he was staying. So the driving up and down, that was... That was for two weeks and we probably put, I don't know, £100 worth of petrol in the car. They do try to help with that. So they do subsidise your petrol um, and you get some of that money back. Um, Then there's the court fees, which currently, I don't know 
I don't know when you're thinking of adopting, but they're currently £177. Um, so you have to pay for that, which again, you get that money back. Um, I think that's it. Uh, when, when it comes to kind of fees that have to be paid uh, and they're really good with giving it back to you. Uh, so that's for the UK. Um, I'm not sure about Ireland. I've not adopted an Ireland, so I don't know. But if you're adopting overseas, there are costs. So um, we did want to, We well, not we did. We looked into adopting from the West Indies because uh, there's loads of children in the West Indies as well. We're from there. Um, we wanted to look into it. So we looked into it and actually the costs are substantially high. Not substantially. I mean, it's it's high. It was more than we thought it was going to be. And you also have to travel there a minimum of twice um, to see the child, to get to know the child, to meet with the reviewing officers. So that was like an, an additional cost. And when you're talking about the Caribbean, you're not talking... Spain for £150 you're talking nearly a £1,000 per person each time to go because you both need to be present as well if it's one of you I mean still £1,000 is a lot of money for anybody and you're talking flight and maybe that covers accommodation that hasn't covered food and that hasn't covered travel while you're there to get back and forth to the agency that you're using that doesn't cover you probably meeting up with the child and taking them out there's a lot of other costs that are involved so by the time you kind of take stock of of that you've probably spent over three grand on one visit much less the the two visits that are a minimum requirement you may have to do more if there's something outstanding or whatever um, but yes, in the UK, to answer your question, I hope that you are talking about the UK. Um, it, there is, there are no set fees that you that must be paid at any particular point in time, apart from the ones that I spoke about. But abroad, yes, there are fees that that will need to be paid, and you will need to be present at certain points within the within the process. Wow. Well, that was a great last question. And I'm going to call you David because it actually was from a man. So thank you very much. I like um, that, there, that there, it was a mixture of men and women that sent those emails in. So thank you all so much. We have come to the end. The pod. Ah. So thank you for joining me for yet another episode of Mum in Training. If you ever want to get in contact, the email address is mumintraining38 at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on the gram, hit us up on mumintraining38. Do put some pictures up there of all of us really. For now, training wheels on, helmets, gloves, shin pads and anything else of use to being a parent in training lots of love virtual hugs and kisses bye